that you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great Hey there, Paisani. Welcome back to another episode of the Italian American Podcast and happy Italian American Heritage Month. It is October. It is our time to shine. Paint the nation red, white, and green. You know it's my favorite time of the year. I'm John Viola, along with my partner in crime, the notorious POB, the Italian American Wikipedia, Mr. Patrick O'Boyle. And this is part two of a conversation that we hope you enjoyed thoroughly in part one with our friend Brandon Ficarra talking about everything from comedy and humor and uh, our reflection on ourselves. And He is a diamond in the diadem. Diadem? Is that the word? Diadem, diadem. yeah. Diadem. The diadem of Italian America. Yeah, he certainly is. He's a real gentleman. We really enjoy his company and getting to know him. And John, you found him. John, you found a lot of great people. Uh, and we're going to cover that in the second half yeah, a little bit of how him and I got to know each other. It's... Uh, of course, it has to do with Lou Monty, Dominic the Donkey, and Pepino the Mouse. So, you Which know. are Dolores' favorite. I know. Thank, I don't think she even listens anymore. <laughs> she never comes not. on. She don't listen. Right, but she's, you know, she's got a lot going on right now. But uh, this episode is coming out on Thursday, October 5th. So I want to make sure it is the first chance we get to wish everybody happy Italian-American Heritage Month. What a great time in the calendar of Italian-America. And you've heard about it last week. I'm going to remind you again this week. We are two days away from... The Jersey City Columbus Day Parade, the man of the year, the one and only notorious POB, Patrick O'Boyle. He will be there live and in person. Going down North Avenue. Yeah. Big, big day. Yes. You excited? Yeah, extreme. It's, it means a lot. Yeah. I, I'm, again, it means terribly a lot. sad I'm going to miss it. but And I want to thank everybody in Jersey City who made it possible because I lived on that block. My mother lived on that block. My grandparents lived on that block. Uh, my great-grandparents lived on that same block. We had our fruit and vegetable store on that block. Um, yeah, I'm totally tied before before the departure, before the flight to North Arlington. That was my entire world. And I have tremendous memories, and it's it's my it's my stop in America, right? Yeah, yeah. I My grand, my grandfather's mother was there. It was, it's uh, your neighborhood. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's we were all one. there for many generations, yep. Yep. and um, it's not what it was. We're all gone now. But I think it's even more important that we have the Jersey City Columbus Day Parade because I often say the Italians in Jersey City were like the Len- Lenny Lenape Indians. <laughs> Everybody knows we were there, but there's very little left <laughs> to commemorate that we existed. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's very important that we remind the new people that came in that we were there and we built the place. Yeah. Right? And, um, yeah, it means a tremendous honor. Like I said, like I've said previously – it's the only time I've ever seen my mother impressed with anything in my entire life. And that in 48 years. That, I've never seen anything register with her. And this, because it's Jersey City based. Is she riding in the parade, your mom? Yeah, I, I, she has to go on the float. Are, are you, are you going to be on the podcast? We have our own podcast float, which. Yeah, I'll be, I'm, I'm know, on that podcast. You know so, how you know right. we're, really, we're really in this business? When Brendan got in touch with the float guy. He called me and he said, it's the same float guy that did the float for San Gennaro, and they haven't taken yours apart yet, so they wanted to know if you wanted to just have the... We're like, yeah, sure, it's the same float, right? So now we've been in so many parades, we have a, a standing float. But uh, are you going to be on the float with our friends and family and listeners, or are you in, like, a car? No, I'm going I'm to use a throne. <laughs> said My just brother was in a high school musical, and they had a throne back like, in Like they're going to uh, carry you like the No, pole? I was just going to sit there, like I, I said, just, said he had just the door. Yeah, I was going to bless But I should have done it. It's too late in the game. I should have had a commemorative challenge coin. Yes, you should have. And thrown them off the side. I bet you we can get those. It might not be too late. 
We could. You and I got the design king right here. I know another test. But I have to thank Anna, Janet Balsey. I know the two of them advocated for me, and they made this happen. And I am complete. I I'm complete in my life. I've I've reached the mountaintop. Because it means, yeah, sure, because I'm going to be, you know, I, it, it does. It's very emotional for me. My great-grandparents are buried in a grave that's right on the same street. Yeah. Every night in my life, uh, in the summer, my grandmother would take me by the hand and walk me down to Rand's Ice Cream in Jersey City and got me a hot fudge sundae. Uh. I was a fat little boy, <laughs> and my grandmother's responsible for that. If I had asked her for 10, <laughs> she would have bought me 10. Sure. If she asked me 20, I would have had 20. Yeah. And I remember so often taking me down by the hand, anything I wanted. I'm going to be passing by all those places. You know, happy times, sad times. My cousin died in that. There's so, there's so many things that will be connected to there. And um, I've always had a love, right, for where I come from. In the Jersey City sense. You know, I grew up in North Arlington. That's my home. But I always have a connection with there. And it, it means a lot. Like I said, it's the first time my mother's been, ever been impressed. And she said to me, I almost keeled over, really, like, she goes, you know, if only like if only your grandparents and, and my aunts were here, you know, my grandmother's yeah. sisters and stuff. But um, yeah, that's it. So come, come. Yeah. Is Ro gonna come? Yeah, everybody's going. I'm the only one Except gonna miss you. it. Yeah. That's all right. It's not Story your choice. I know, it's not you, John. You gotta keep domestic tranquility. I know, I know. But I hope our listeners come. If you're out there and you're in the it's area, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah. Listen, life is short. Whoever thought that wacky COVID thing was gonna pop a bubble, you know, know. you never know what's and we're gonna, if that and we're gonna teach people that you got to enjoy today. I don't know what will. No, I hope I hope they do. And uh, we're gonna do a dinner. Yeah, come afterwards. afterwards we're gonna have refreshments afterwards. Everybody. You want to yeah. bring cookies? Bring cookies. We should have had a, a like an Italian wedding where they put the big basket. That's what we should have done. Well, everybody brings their bring own basket, a basket of, cookies. of cookies to you in tribute. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what you should throw. It's challenge cookies. I should throw gunvieta. <laughs> yes, gunvieta. That's a good idea. Actually, I should have blue gunvieta. Hey, here we go. That's gunvieta. a very good idea. She could put this, you know, it's cut and pastes and put the basket on the other one. If you want to come bring baskets, bottles of homemade wine. Yeah, bring some gifts for the man. Well, bring me gifts. The man it's of the year. Wedding, the wedding. <laughs> we'll all enjoy uh, it. We call that wedding the football, the football wedding. wedding. Yeah. This is going to be like a version. So I hope everybody comes out and enjoys and uh, hope you guys enjoy this second part of a great episode. and A fantastic episode. Jump right in. Fantastic episode. Great conversation with a great friend. And we're going to jump right in. Yeah, I, I find it interesting to think that you were doing shows out there, you know, with other Italian-American comedians for primarily an Italian-American audience because, you know, I've come a long way on this idea of portrayals of Italian-Americans, right? Like, I grew up in a era where I was in high school and going to a lot of these, like, Italian-American meetings and foundations, and I found NIAF, and, and the big thing was to be anti-Sopranos, right? Mm-hmm. And it was offensive to portray, and, like, you know, we, we're going to project this image that, you know, yes, uh, the mafia is only 0.0001%, and it's all true, right? And it was only when I met my wife, who grew up in a very Italian neighborhood in the Bronx, who loved the show, her whole family loved the show, and she said to me, like, you got to watch this, because, like, I wrote it off, right? I wrote off this idea, like, if it's an offensive, and it's not even necessarily the portrayal, but the theme, the 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 patina of the mafia, like, I, I didn't want to go near it. and I've kind of come around as I've gotten older to this idea that, like, you have to take everything for what it's worth. And I remember when I first got to NIAF, this amazing four-part documentary series that John Maggio made on the Italian-Americans was traveling around the community looking for community institutions to raise the last, like, $75,000 they needed to finish this film, which was a huge success on PBS. And they, I, I met with them because I was new and I was young. And I didn't have the institutional knowledge. And they basically said to me, like, every other group has thrown us out of the room because 
we are going to include in this documentary uh, organized crime as an issue. And, you know, it's not the whole thing, but it's going to be in there. And then basically they all said to them, like, we're not going to support this film, even though it's going to be, you know, four beautiful hours on the entirety of the Tamaric experience if it has the mafia in there. And I decided to help them raise a little bit of money. They showed me the film uh, before it was released, and I thought, this is exactly why you can't shut down when you get offended because every other group was missing out on the opportunity to be a part of something. We may not have actually seen it come to fruition, and it was a beautiful, amazing four hours, and, you know, maybe 20 minutes of it was uncomfortable, but it was something also, you know, real that, that had happened. And we do ourselves a disservice when we shut down when we're offended by portrayals. It's okay to be offended, but you have to then integrate it and you have to acknowledge it and you have to um, you have to deal with it. And I think that that's really, really important. And I think that's important in, you know, it's like, like the 80s, you talk about Eddie Murphy's, one of his great sets uh, from his meteoric rise. And he does this little bit about Italians coming out of Rocky. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, and like, you know, uh, it's I bet not that happened. Yeah, I'm sure it did, real. right? Yeah. And like, it's, you know, it's not like the most flattering uh, version of Italian Americanism that you could picture, but I don't begrudge Eddie Murphy for doing that, right? Like, uh, I don't, I don't think you have to have tribal rights to talk about other groups. I think you have to be thicker skinned, I guess. Yeah, and I think that there's a, you know, look, the, you know, the mafia was a thing; it existed, right? And it, and it touched a lot of communities. Yeah, you know, it, it's, and you know, uh, I get crucified by some people for saying this. A lot of Italian Americans cooperated. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, well, I mean, in the sense that when when somebody with dirty money, because they were in that profession, mm-hmm. came and wanted to have throw their kid's wedding at your catering call, your mm-hmm. daughter's wedding, and they blew an astonishing amount of money. Um, they weren't there saying, oh, gee, I don't want his money. I know where it came from. Right. Right. So um, what I'm trying to say is this truth. Right. Yes. We had people who fought the mafia, people who refused to deal with them. They came to the our our store in Jersey City, the fruit and vegetable store. My grandma told me the story, and they came and said, "Listen, they were going to buy um, rotten fruit, like fruit that had gone bad, and sell it to the hospitals in Jersey City." That was an inside deal. My great grandfather threw them out of the store, right? Um, but I'm saying there's other people who took that deal. Sure. Right? That, that I'm trying to do virtual signaling here, but I'm saying like we we want it, we we invent these pristine. Um, you know, they were bad yeah. guys and they were a minority and it wasn't all, and it wasn't all of us. But, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a black and white. It's a story we portray black and white. and There's a lot, a lot of gray. Yeah. Like everything. But I think most people, you know, the majority of Italian-Americans, especially in the in, you know, major cities where uh, organized crime existed. What you know, they just wanted to get to their job the next day. They didn't want to. So when things were happening yeah. or things were going on or if somebody was coming to their catering hall, it's like, yeah, just take the money because. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's easier. I don't want to. I don't want to offend this person because yeah. I don't need that. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So I think a, that there was a lot of like not so much. I'm sure some people like, you know, there was like you know some people who cooperated with them and, and worked with them and, and benefited, but I think most people just tried to stay out of the way. Yes. Sure. But the reason I bring that up is that we as a community love to whitewash things. So my thing is that sure, like everybody. I mean, everybody ran numbers. Number running was everywhere and gambling and stuff like that. And that's part of who our history is, right? So I'm trying to say is, like you said, a lot of people either, you know, look the other way, minded their business. Like my grandma used to say, well, why do people care? The only people who get involved, the only people who have problems are the people who volunteer to get involved. But what I'm trying to say is that 
it's like we can't make believe like this didn't happen. Right. Right. And, that's that's my argument. It's like it never happened. And the deeper conversation is why? Because it's not like only Italian Americans made uh, The Godfather successful, right? Or Sopranos. Like these things are wildly successful. Yeah. You know, across all all uh, demographics. Yeah. So what is attractive about it? You know, it's our relationship with with power, with yeah. violence, with crime. You know, like that's why was Billy the Kid a celebrity? You know, right. instead of just it's why you know, and I don't know that the I don't I don't have answers. I just have questions. <laughs> um, but so you know, are. it's it's they're worried about that portrayal. Well, why are they portraying the Sopranos, Italian Americans, and they're offended by that? The deeper question is why isn't you know something a story about an Italian American architect right interesting right like why isn't that why, why don't people want to see that yes. but we want to see people the blood and the guts and the gore and and I don't know I mean that requires uh, people smarter than probably the three of us maybe not Pat <laughs> <laughs> definitely you and I um, but I, I not to switch gears but I've been staring at it the whole time uh, Pat has his wallet on the table. And it, I, I want a ruler. <laughs> it's a Costanza wallet. It's that is the, the thickest old. wallet. <laughs> I, I used to have two. And I come. I have one now. I have a second wallet. It's I try insane. to reform Who my you, life. I don't even. Ha- I have like a thing, a little clip. Because you are a modern and advanced <laughs> person. That's really small. See, because you're you're with it. You're, I, have a I am not with it. Look, too, look at my wallet. Number one, I have two wallets. I have a wallet with two EpiPens, AlbiQ. Okay, well that's. And, but no, I'm going to explain. There's more to it, and. I had the normal. I had the normal wallet, but I have a pocket with a scapula. I have like a religious pocket. With <laughs> my religious saint cards, paraphernalia, dead relatives in that one, right? Right. That's half of the wallet there. Then I have my PBA cards because I'm from New Jersey. Yeah. You get pulled it's a over. Big plus. That's all parachutes, right? Yep. <laughs> I have five thousand credit cards. I have like a Costco card, yep. restaurant. I have all those cards. So that makes a big wall, but I have a scan. I have everything in there. If I ever get stuck on a desert island, it's you'll like, survive. It's a, I'm like a boy scan. Yes. But this is the one. You you should have seen. You know what? The next time we get to that, I'm going to bring the other wallet out. Okay. So I've been trying to get, because when people said, what is it, two wallets he has? Look at my money. <laughs> I, and says, I know it said it never come this. back, but now. <laughs> now you back in. Look at this. Look at this. It's absurd. Is what it's it is. absurd. Here's the PBA card. It's actually a very disorganized Fraternal wallet. Order I police. never saw you open it like that. Well, I mean, because I I, when I had two wallets, it was more organized. I used to carry two wallets. Now, if you were to get mugged, there's no recreating this. No, you couldn't. That's just it's no. over. You just no. You just tell him pull, pull the trigger. <laughs> That's what right. saints do I have in this? This one. <laughs> Let's see who we got here. And, and I got yeah. Marona Romanda. She's here. I got a business card of mine. Someone else wrote the back on. I think I have. No, this is a religiously like my other one. I have Santa Rosalie in here. I have. I'm I, I'm Catholic. If I get in a car accident, make sure I have last rights. Hey, you want to hear in this? This is well, here. Do you this think is they'll my... find that before they <laughs> No way. Not there. I, here, here on the back is, is, I am a Catholic. In the event of an accident, please call a priest. Could you imagine? Monastery, the precious blood, Watertown, New York. God forbid you you were incapacitated. Imagine the guy who opens that wallet to try to figure out who you are. That's yeah. like it's like one of those snakes that comes out of the peanut can. <laughs> <laughs> Just I like... didn't see my wallet. I'm getting, I'm now saying, wow, is it that complicated? I should bring out the other wallet that I have medals in. <laughs> I got the stuff that Italian ladies put on their brazier. It comes with keep you. the horns off. You got everything in. I got a Saint Benedict medal that's impressed into a holy card. But see, that's the stuff I worry about. Well, you know what? It's good to have. You've got the protections. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. 
Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. I like this Santa Rosa. This is a nice color. No, no, I can see what I did. Well, while he's doing that, I, I want to <laughs> say to the rest of the audience, uh, I just want to touch on one thing uh, because it, it's very definitive. And I don't want to go too deep into it because I... Why not? This is two episodes. No, no, I, I just don't want to um, share details of... We'll just beep it out. No, no. But the thing that brought us together, that introduced us to one another, me and Brandon, and then Pat afterwards, is a shared love and, I think, uh, great hopefulness for the creations of... At least put it put to voice by Lou Monty, but... Uh, Really, the, the characters that occurred in a lot of his stuff, Dominic the Donkey, Pepino the Mouse, we, we met through our shared interest in that. What I, I, we, we find a lot of people argue back and forth. I've, I've been encountered a lot of Italians who, one guy in particular, I'll never forget saying to me, like, I was telling him how much I loved Pepino the Mouse, and it meant to me as a kid. And he said, ah, you know, this is not the kind of stuff we need to share with the next generation. We need to share opera with them. I know who that is. You do know who that is, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we've been talking about it on the show. Like, Dolores always says she finds Dominic the Donkey offensive. And, and, really? Uh, yeah, she finds it um, what's, what's reductive. Like, it's not, it's, not, it's, it not, it's not like um, uh, noble enough of a, of a representation. But you've pursued these things, and you've put a lot of time and effort into these characters. What drew you to this? What did they, what did they mean to you? Um, a lot. I think uh, mainly it's Dominic's nobility. You know, he's a little happy little donkey. Yep, of course. You know, I, I, it, it, to be, Dominic specifically captured my imagination because the story, mind you, coming from I'm a comedian, so I love it on its surface of it's a wonderful, joyous little Christmas song. Yeah. The comedian in me also loves that, like, the story is like, it's like you, um, you ever been in a restaurant and there's a, you know, a table seeming to have an interesting conversation, but you're only catching bits and pieces. Yeah. That's what the lyrics that's of Donnick the Donkey are like. Wow. Because it doesn't really give you, it's like it zooms out for like, yeah. why can't the reindeers get over there? Yeah, they yeah. can fly. They can't get over there. Yeah. There's got to be something there. There's there's a story to that. You know, why did Santa need Dominic's help? Yeah. And so little of it is, is explained. And I find that to be what's wonderful is it allows your mind yeah. To kind of wander. So I actually, you know, started writing up, like, what that story might be. Yeah. And that's what kind of led you and I together. Um, but no, I think that uh, those songs, they're fun. Uh, they're cute. And, and it's, look, everything doesn't have to be an epic. Yeah. Epic tale of, like, you know, like, there's a lot of nobility in Italian people. And there's also, thank goodness, a lot of silliness. Yes. And, and it's the silly from an Italian perspective, that I think uh, Lou Monti and, um, and and you know, the writers, we know Donna. Yeah, Donna George Frank, Brown. and yep. Yeah, like, uh, you know, her parents uh, captured the silliness from a uniquely Italian-American perspective. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that's what I, because it, it sounds like something, uh, you know, a, a great uncle would have come up with. Yes, that's you know, true. And, 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 you know, told a story about. 
So that's, you know, I think I embrace silliness. I don't think there's anything more noble than I the agree. ability to be silly. So whoever said it wasn't noble enough, I, tell them they need to get silly. <laughs> we're going to bring Dolores next time. You know, that's something we got to do now that we're recording here in Jersey. I think she plays it when we're not there. I think she plays a song? Yeah. I don't know, but every time, a, you know, I'm her, I'm her son's godfather, so every time I see him, I play, I play Lumanti so that he, he falls for it. I hope he falls for it. That's my goal. But I, I, I was trying to get it sneak for it two reasons. House. One, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. One, it's awesome. Two, two it's <laughs> <a> <laughs> sorry, Kumavan. I gotta listen to it every Christmas. <laughs> but I think you're absolutely right. I think that like being silly does not diminish our serious accomplishments or the nobility of our character or our social experience. I think silly is a. I think people are attracted to that, and that's what draws me. You know, the light stuff, humor, comedy, uh, silliness. It's a safe place to be, right? It feels good, and it's cozy, and it's like a, a warm blanket in the winter, and I, I just love that. So my hope is, first and foremost, you and I and Pat get a lot more time working together on these wonderful, silly, endearing characters and, and other great projects. But uh, also, now that we're in Jersey, we got to get Donna Brown out here to talk about the history of those songs. we got to oh, yeah. she, she, this She's such a wonderful woman. Oh, what a great really, lady. We spent some time with her. Yeah. And she was just, just. I regret that I was not there. For yeah, her. yeah. Uh, she would have loved you. Yeah, she, yeah, she would have. Yeah, but who wouldn't? <laughs> oh, thank you, man. And I mean I that. You're, and, and you know, it's funny. We we're talking earlier about comedians. Like, if he just went backstage at like any comedy club anywhere in the country and just said he was a comedian, and, like just never went off the stage and just hung out, <laughs> no one would bat an eye. No, no. He would really? fit in. You would fit in in that culture. You're just damaged enough. <laughs> wow. Because you have to be you have to be you gotta be damaged. You gotta be smart. But you gotta be damaged. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you would be like everybody would just assume you're great. You'd get bookings. <laughs> really? Just from, from never going to say just hanging out in the back, a hundred percent. Hundred percent. Exciting. Thank you very much. You would be a good comic, actually. Now that I think about it. And we can do it. I'll book a show either up here or in the city, and you'll just come hang out with me as a comedian. You should do that. Undercover. Somebody, really? somebody yeah. asked It'd me. It'd be like George Plimpton. That. <laughs> right? Who's that? Who's George Plimpton? The, the, the writer from. Uh, did the uh, paper tie, paper lion, or? Yeah, he's a it? commentator. He, he also wrote for a magazine. Can't remember which magazine now. He was a writer, so basically, you like pretended to be a, you know, he's on uh, the Detroit Lions and yeah. did a handful of other things. Where like kind of day in the life stuff, where he'd impersonate. Great I would kind of, you know, just show up and do the thing. We should do this, John. Somebody you, asked you, me about you look, that. You, you could, could you take me one of these things? Yeah, yeah, we'll go. We'll we went go. to go see Debbie Gibson. That was, well, not, you know, that. <laughs> I asked John for saying, yeah, Deborah. I'll take you there. Deborah. Well, Deborah, Gibson. yeah. <laughs> she is a woman, There's Pat, nobility. And you'll refer to her. <laughs> Let's not be silly see, here. See, you get it because you're, you're the yeah. same age. You yeah. want, you appreciate her. I met her at a, at a multi-level marketing thing in the early 2000s. Not kidding. Did you? Wish, did you it was music related. Oh, yeah, yeah. Class act introduces the standard Deborah. bearer of our people. She's wonderful. Yeah, she's half she's Sicilian. Right? Montel Jordan as well. Yeah, she the, the she, mother's definitely Italian from Long Island. I mean, there's no. Yeah, that's why I was always proud of her because she was like the Gen X standard bearer for Italian Americans. She was our people. But that's she, why I keep preaching her. She was also your big crush growing up. Yeah, she's our people. She was. You. She was. I. I have to defend her. She was our people, and I finally have someone here my age bracket that represents it because. She was an Italian American. Alyssa Milano was too. Yes, you know, I mean, she's who I worked with. On my name is Earl. Today, I'm you sorry? did. I worked with Alyssa Milano. Really? Yeah. Do you think she identifies as Italian American? Um, she didn't. You know, I don't. Whatever I, that means. I, we didn't have a conversation about it. Um, but I think 
it would be impossible for her not to, just yeah. based on just sure. just talking with her. She feels she's a tiny she, girl yeah, from Brooklyn, she, right? Exactly. She feels like you know she's not trying to hide any of that. You know, you're talking about well, comedy. Who's the boss? That that's her, what I was just gonna the whole say. thing. Who's the boss? Was was uh, Tony Danza portraying the Italian in the Connecticut Waspy household? I've been like daughter. obsessing lately over TV because I'm a TV fanatic. My my wife, I mean my poor daughter, she's gonna be too. Can I tell people a John secret? What? John yes. loves junk food. Yes, love loves junk, junk food. food. Yeah, loves junk, love junk food, food and TV. Yes, I I could easily spend the entirety of my life had I not gotten married in a basement watching rerun. Like my favorite thing to if do. If you didn't get married, how much would you weigh right a now? Lot, a lot, a ton. A ton. I would be, yeah. I would let that myself, combination. Yes, I would be. Oh, not good for. Could easily. I mean, I'm not at my uh, my fighting. And you look at mine. Shape. You're a, a, a slim. I'm. I'm getting. You you're know, definitely. Uh, you know. My wife calls me skinny fat because I got like a big gut. But I'm That's like my grandfather. Well, I, have like, well, I have like the well, macaroni well. gut. It's macaroni. No, oh, guess what? Not, skinny you, fat tough. is. Tell Nicole put that gun back <laughs> in the holster. I'm. I'm. I got. I got combated. The, <laughs> defense of you now. You're very careful what you you want. Does not skinny fat. I could be better, but I, I, I love John. I don't like the idea of skinny fat. No, well, no. It's like a if you're not going to be fat. Like I, I don't want to. Uh, you're slightly untoned. <laughs> exactly. Who's right. the, who's the person you, judging correct. this? Right. <laughs> it's just my wife. Right. But I will say I love TV, and my favorite thing to do growing up. My dad used to take my brothers and I, amongst my many favorite things. And one of the things I loved was he would take us into the city. This is before the internet. And there is the Museum of Television and Radio. And it's a, right next to what used to be the 21 Club, 51st or something like that, 51st Street. And back then, when everything was on VHS, you would go and you would go through there like, um, I don't even know how you describe it. I remember the old green computer screens with the little flashing, like white, uh, like, you know, you had like the turtle. It was like green screen computers that were not, like the interface was still very rudimentary. Sure. You, you'd go into their database and you could search out the archive that they had of television and radio. So, you know, because there was no internet, because there was nothing on demand, a lot of these shows, if they weren't airing anymore, they weren't in syndication, you, you hadn't seen them in a long time. So it wasn't like today where you can buy every episode and look it up, or it's on YouTube, whatever. And I used to go with my dad, and for whatever, I forget donation you had to make, you'd get, I think it was two hours in a pod in big leather office chair like this and a tube television with a headset that attached, and you'd give them the numbers, you'd write down the numbers on a slip, and you'd hand them to them, and whatever added up to two hours, they would then just play it on the screen for you, like uh, one after the other. And I'd watch old reruns, or it was the first time I ever saw the Dean Martin comedy roast, and I would just watch everything. And I relished those days. And the reason I bring that up is now, you, know, you talk about Alyssa Milano and Who's the Boss. Who's the Boss is one of the few shows, which I, I can't understand why, you actually can't access every season of that digitally. You can get the first season you can buy on the iTunes store, and I think there's another, like, Sony Crackle or something has, like, random episodes, but there's no way to access the entirety of that show. And I... Problem for you. It's a big problem for me, because I yeah. think that that may be, so. in my lifetime, the great Italian-American show. Ray Romano, I didn't watch, right? But who's the I, boss? I think who's the boss for our time period. Yeah. He represents... But you know what used to bother me about that show? He was in the servant position. Hmm. Right? I go, oh, what, what can the Italian from Brooklyn do? He can be the housekeeper. I thought that never well, bothered me. That bothered no, me. No, but it was the fish out of water. It, it was, was the gender thing. It was the thing. fact that yeah. that was, 
That's they funny. Didn't like, have as the CEO, we didn't have Dallas. You know? <laughs> they didn't have Italian. No, really. No. Why uh, didn't we have an Italian Dallas? Why did the Italian? Why did the Italian from Brooklyn? Oh, he's gonna he's gonna go clean the white. You know, and it's not a male female thing. It's like, oh, the wasp from Connecticut. She's the CEO, and then Vinnie Boombots is gonna clean your bathroom. I don't know. That doesn't bother me, and I think that that's that bother, that did. And bother I think me. it's really indicative of the, of the time of the era. I think it's but but I I love that. I love You're that never show. gonna see a brain surgeon on TV that sounds like Tony Danza. And that bothers. That's me. true. But if that you ever, but wait a me. second. Let's say you required brain surgery tomorrow, and he sounded like Tony Danza, the guy checking I, out. You know what? I you rather be a little die under the knife with my own people. <laughs> I rather take that bullet because you know what? My whole life, because of the way I sound, I was put on the back of the of the intellectual bus. That's true. I want to die under the knife of an Italian surgeon that sounds you here. Because why? Why he couldn't go to what? Unless he sounds like what? Like like I, 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 you know, Tony Danza in that character. Doesn't sound like uh, a normal Italian American guy. He sounds like a. Well, they got to play it up. Yeah, you know, and then Golden it. Girls had an Italian, had two Jews playing an Italian. That's true. Did you know that they want? What was the the woman who played Sophia? Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty. Estelle, did you ever? Hear, I, this I had read somewhere. Don't ask me where. Estelle Getty. I guess that was her first really big break, and it came in the yes. later part of her life. Yes, that's true. And she was afraid that she was not going to be able to portray an Italian well. And she had argued, I guess, with the producers that they should change um, B. Arthur and her roles to be a Jewish mother and daughter, because they were both Jews from Brooklyn, because they knew how to play that, because it was right. you know, tribal life. rights. Yeah. But I think she did. I think she did. A, I mean, why they tell her no? I don't know. I mean, she did. I think she did a bang up job. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think she did a pretty. You know, th- th- there was certain. I think she played a good Sicilian. I do too. But she was. She didn't have the same. You knew. You. She did a good job. But Tony Danza was one of us. No, Tony Danza. And Tony Danza integrated a lot of like Italian-American character actors from that era in and bring people from the neighborhood up to Connecticut. And I think as somebody who lived that experience, moving from Italian Brooklyn to suburban New Jersey in this case, not Connecticut, the show really spoke to me. It, it, so I think for my lifetime, it is my favorite glimpse. Because all of these things are just lenses into our social experience. So the idea that he was there as a domestic aid or whatever domestic in domestic service in the early to mid I guess mid to late 80s whatever it is I think that that says something about who we were then both to ourselves and to the rest of the world and I've been rigorously pursuing and I and I may just have to go to the Museum of Television Radio and go out on a limb because there's actually shows I'm finding out now there was the show called The Super 1972 Richard Castellano who most people will remember from uh, Godfather, he played uh, Clemenza, the adult Clemenza, right? Bruno, and Bruno Kirby plays the younger one in Godfather 2. Uh, but apparently, I didn't know this, he, he had had a star turn in a dramatic movie and was a very accomplished actor and a very well-respected actor. And uh, so in 1972, on the heels of the success of Archie Bunker and All in the Family, Rob Reiner, who's on Archie Bunker at that point, right? He plays the son-in-law goes and writes a pilot for a sitcom called The Super where they're going to invert the Archie Bunker dynamic and it's going to be about an Italian family, this guy who's a super in a building in the Lower East Side. And I'm finding now the only even like writing I could find about it is it was written up in TV Guide and all these TV magazines, different newspapers put out. I've collected a bunch of them from around the country as like a surefire hit. 
1972 is like right on the heels of the Italian American Civil Rights League. Colombo, like we're in this kind of ascendancy of awareness, right? 1971 is the great New York Times piece, The Red, White, and Greening of America. And the show bombed. It was a summer replacement, I guess, the way they scheduled it, whatever. I think nine out of the 11 or 12 episodes filmed actually aired. And I'm dying to see. You got to find that. What show. was this show that was supposed to be like the is next it, would Archie the, would Bunker? the Museum of Television and Radio? I don't know. If, if anybody's going to have it, maybe. Maybe you ABC. searched YouTube, yeah. I searched YouTube. I found my buddy uh, Jimmy Brogan had the one, and he's a brilliant comedian, wonderful human being, did a, um, made a spinoff of Happy Days, the only like super non-successful one called <laughs> Out of the Blue, where he played like a guardian angel. It was like right after like Mork worked. Yeah. And they did the Laverne another Shirley comedian. spun off of that. Yeah. Laverne Shirley, uh, Joni Loves Chachi wasn't super popular, but lasted for a little while. But Out of the Blue was like this guardian angel mm. thing. And uh, it was only like eight or nine episodes and I found it on YouTube. It is October and that means it's Italian American Heritage Month. And this year, why not connect to Italy with the Mediaset Italia subscription? Mediaset Italia is the channel that combines the best from top Italian channels Canale 5, Italia 1, and Rete 4, so you don't miss the latest in TV from Italy. This October, Mediaset has familiar favorites and new series, including the new crime drama Maria Corleone, airing Fridays at 8.35 p.m. Eastern, brand new current affairs program E Sempre Carta Bianca with Bianca Berlinger, and new seasons of popular favorites Caduto Libera, Quarto Grado, and Pomeriggio Cinque. There's always something new on Mediaset Italia. So call your local television provider today. Can I tell you something? Know the power of this podcast? Yeah. Somebody out there knows. Maybe. And needs to get in touch with us. I hope so. If you do, please let if us somebody, know. Somebody out there has an idea. I, I've only found a brief snippet of the intro, like, you know, the, the musical intro yeah. that they used to do back in the, in the 70s and 80s. And I guess there's another show called Joe and His Sons or Joe and Sons where they – in the, this is probably like the late 70s, where Castellano got a chance to be cast as like an Italian-American uh, family. And one of the sons was Bruno Kirby, who was actually Italian-American as well. Was he? That was my question. I was yeah. going to Bruno Kirby was, he was He was Italian, and he was, I forget his real name, but he plays his son. So they both play different age of Clemenza. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and, and, and that didn't last, that lasted even less uh, than the Super. I always loved Vincent Gardenia. I bet if they would have made it a mafia show, it would have been. That's the sad truth, but you're probably That's right. That's the sad truth. It's probably true. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. You know, it's like the humor too. But you're right. Like, you think about the disaster that The Sopranos would have been had it been on network television. I don't. Yeah, I, I'm I mean, not a big it, enough. No matter, could have been. He was pitching it. Yeah, it was supposed. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Like, right? Whatever your feelings on the The Sopranos are, and it's complicated for time. But I think, and I'm like again, I'm not from the in, this industry in any sense. But as a lay person, I think that they just it was. Spectacularly put out. Now, granted, it, it hit home with me because I live here. Yeah. Right. It's I live in the midst of Soprano land, but um, yeah. I mean, I think that if if they had been their hands would have been tied if they had, you know, I think it would have been like a a, a very. I, I don't think it would have lasted two episodes because they could not have portrayed the whole the whole kit and caboodle. I don't even know where that phrase comes from. But, <laughs> um, had they not had the freedom of HBO. But to get back to the, to Archie Bunker, Vincent Gardenia, who was a Scunamedia, I think was yes. his last name, from, yeah. who was a Neapolitan, who also winds up being the father in Moonstruck. Mm-hmm. I thought he did. not I think if you ask me for all the, the Italian portrayals of Italian America, 
on television in the 70s and 80s. The one I, f- the one I like the most, the one I feel the most comfortable with, is his portrayal of the Italian neighbor on Archie Bunker. See, I've never watched it enough to know. Oh, it's fantastic. He, he brings a Panettone. It's like Archie Bunker, he brought a Panettone over one Christmas and, and goes to kiss Archie. I'm like, what is it with you Italians? Like, you men kissing men. It was, it was, yeah. it, it, it was, um, he was, I think, Gardenia was being Gardenia, really. I, I don't think, I don't think it was the, because um, sometimes I think Italian American actors lay it on heavier because they think that's what's expected. Yeah. I think he was being him. Yeah. And I think that was the same portrayal that he had in, in uh, Moonstruck. Yeah. Yeah, he'd see, he, you, his authenticity comes out in that a lot. I mean, he was a Neapolitan, and I think that's a very he's a very Neap. I think his Neapolitanness. He was born in Naples, I think. He came here as a young child. That Neapolitanness comes through very clearly in his portrayals of the Italian neighbor and Archie Bunker. I gotta watch those episodes where he's in it. I gotta I gotta make a point to you see. You know, that. I've been uh, going back through uh, all the family. Have you? It's such a good. It's still every bit. You could put that out. Yeah. Right now, and it's absolutely relevant. In some ways, that's a shame. Yeah, yeah, because that's true. you'd think like from seventy one, seventy two, yeah. like things would have progressed a little more societally. But um, but it's still razor sharp and hilarious. And no, and nobody seems to get offended by that show, even though its whole premise is is offensive, right? I'm sure people did. You know, Norman Lear did that show, um, and also you know Jefferson did a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um. He had a really fantastic way of, you know, I think people, look, there's people who get offended at things, right? But then there's people who make decisions to avoid that. Yeah. And I think those decisions are always further away from what would actually offend. Yeah. So when somebody has the guts to do something that could be offensive to someone, usually people tend to respect it more than get offended because it's like, you know, it's, I think we sell people short. Yeah. Like networks will make decisions or, or streaming services anywhere in Hollywood. There's nothing less creative than decision makers on the business side of Hollywood. That makes sense, yeah. It's just what what's going to make us the most money without – what's the least amount of risk Yeah, you know, in, in all areas? Uh, we don't care if it's good. We don't – just less risk. But when people do take those risks, I think that most people are smart and we see things for what it is. And you see Archie Bunker, they're not portraying – the Archie Bunker character as a hero, right? But they're also not portraying him as a villain. They're portraying him as a guy who actually exists that sees the world in this way. Like, there was a billion Archie... There was an Archie Bunker in everybody's family at this table, sure. 100% and unequivocally. Absolutely. Um, and, and millions of other families. Yeah. And, you know, and then you go to the Jeffersons. And what do they have? They have George Jefferson be kind of like Archie. Yeah. He's a little racist towards other people. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and to me, it's that's... Do you know George Jefferson? The Jefferson was a huge hit in Italy. Huge. Really? Is that right? I yes. My friend, Michaela Corthy, who's my, our age, who grew up in Italy in those days, she came to America as an exchange student in her 20s and fell in love with this country and never left. She told me the Jeffersons were huge in Italy. Hmm. Dubbed in, in, you know, I guess the 70s and 80s. And I asked her why. She said because... They talk with their hands. <laughs> it, was, it was Mother Jefferson. The, his his mother. Weezy? His mother. Oh, really? his mother's despisement of Weezy as a as a daughter-in-law, not good enough for her son. How about that? And I said to myself, uh, yeah, her son was the prince. Yeah, she's the mother who Relatable. suffered. Look at how much I suffered. She said that Mother Jefferson was the anchor of that show in Italy. That's so interesting. I, I think that, like, I mean, I, I would love us to do a series in the future on. 
portrayals and really dig down. Really a video series because, you know, you can't, you can only talk about these things so much without actually showing the content. Like to me, I think everything in my mind comes down to a documentary, but there's a documentary here about the portrayals of Italian Americans and what it says and everything from, you know, if you think about some of the early silent films there about the black hand and, you know, life with Luigi in the 40s, this kind of stuff. But I think the accomplishments that we have as humorists, as comedians, as actors, as writers, uh, I do think that they, at their best, can be a great tool for an inward-looking approach to who we are. You know what's been on my mind lately, too, talking about TV? One of my favorite shows growing up was ALF, right? The alien that comes down from planet Melmac. And I've, of course, been reading about that. And the guy who wrote it, created it, and voiced ALF is Italian-American, this guy Fusco. And I started to think to myself, I'd like to rewatch that. And I think Alf's humor is very Italian-American. I think it's very like that kind of break your chops, a little bit of sarcasm, fish out of water thing. I'm going to rewatch that from an Italian-American perspective and see if I can, I don't know, something about it. I'm like, is this maybe without it actually being a portrayal in some ways uh, well, inspired by? Yeah, well, I mean, how could it not be if the writers are talking? Like I, I've, so the meatballs of comedy. There were points where we did shows for like, you know, bigger shows for like the Italian American organizations, and like I would actually get asked like, "Well, can you just do like more like stuff about being Italian?" And that always kind of annoyed me because my act isn't like you know I don't have, but I have things about family, I have things about my perspective, and it's like, but everything is coming from that perspective. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I I don't understand. Like that, it's like saying, "Well, you're going to make an Italian car. Can you like, you know, like put like the Italian make it <laughs> right, right? Put the flag everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, yeah. it doesn't. It's it's coming from the mind and hands of that yeah. person. So I'm sure it is. You're right. It's like everything essentially comes from where it comes from. If you relate to this Italian American experience, like I remember, we my dream was always to have a variety show at the Nyef Gala weekend because they used to do like a concert and yeah. You know, I always felt it was a little slow, and I thought if we could do like a variety show where we've had some comedians, some music, some different you know uh, components. Uh, and I hired this is like right as Sebastian Maniscalco was coming out, and I hired a guy to come named Joe Matarese, not that easy, and he came down, and he we really didn't you know, do too much, like, kind of exchange of what the event was, whatever. He was there for the beginning of the show with other stuff, and he came out and did a set. And the reaction was, like, a little muted. And when he came off, he said, you know, I really wish I could have seen this once beforehand and then done my set. I would have done a very different set. And I think what he was expressing to me was kind of that same thing. Like, I think he thought, I'm going to an Italian event. Let me just do, like, stuff on being Italian. And he didn't appreciate that, the room, at least in this case, was there kind of to hear about anything but from our perspective, right? Like, that was the advantage he had. It was like that shared perspective. So you could dig deeper into other stuff. I think that's what he was expressing to me at the end. And I've always I've had a lot of people approach me, even recently, like, you know, we do the IFL in Florida. We have a, a, a very young... Still waiting on my booking. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, you should calm down. Everybody keeps saying to me, like, why don't we do Why don't we do a comedy night? Or why don't we do a comedy night at San Gennaro now that we've, we're sponsoring and running the stage? And I have, I think that from that experience, I have this fear. Like, is there room for an Italian-American comedy night? And is there enough 
of an audience left. I don't know. No, but you hit it out of the park. You're a comedian that's work comes from an Italian American well. Right? So you don't need to brand yourself. And I, I love that approach because you don't need to say, here's a t shirt, right? Because yeah. if you see if you've got Instagram and stuff now, there's a lot of ethnicities that have ethnic comedians. Right. But they're very like boxed. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, you know, it's very like, okay. Um, and I see this especially with a lot of uh, more of foreign anglophonic Italian anglophones in other countries. But okay, well, this is the Italian ethnic mother. It's the same thing over and over and over. Like, how many jokes do you have the grandmother in the house dress or that little apron thing? And, you know, it's like the meatball jokes going over and over. And, you know, I just think that you exhaust it because you're, you're playing to a script as compared to a free flow yeah. of who you are. Yeah. yeah, we definitely should bring you down to IAFL. I think we should do an Italian American comedy night somewhere. I really do. But, do I, you, but this is what I'm saying to you. Do you need to... If you have an Italian-American comedian, right, do you need to call it an Italian? Now, if you had a, sh- if you had a, a like the meat, what is the name of the meatball? meatballs of comedy? Right, the meatballs of comedy. If you put everybody on the stage and say, okay, well, they're all Italian-American. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying right, that's a, different, yeah. yeah. That's I what I mean that by an Italian-American comedy night. A showcase of, of Italian-American talent. I mean, if you take, um, it's one of the albums that you have, the one that was done in East Harlem in the 70s. Right? Oh, the Manhattan Special album. Manhattan Special album. It would be a very limited amount of people who would get those punchlines today because all the dirty words are in Neapolitan. Yeah. You'd have to do like a simulcasted translation because yeah. they, they say something in English and then the d- dirty punchline comes in Neapolitan. Um, there, I don't even know if I should talk about it. Did you ever hear this online? There was a comedy routine that was produced in Newark in the, I guess, the 30s. It was an album. And it was so, because um, the people of the North and North were from Irpinia, from Abilene, right? It was a parody of a guy in the first war of Newark in the 30s. And it's an Italian-American guy who's parodying a guy in the neighborhood. And the language in Neapolitan, it is the, fi- I mean, it's cursing. In the it's 30s. Very, in the 30s. It is cursing. See, in Neapolitan, the Italian word for cursing is bestemia, yeah. right? Bestema. And that's blasphemy. Right. So in Neapolitan, you could use dirty sexual words. That's not considered cursing. In the south of Italy, has a lot of curse words, a lot of um, blasphemy against God, the saints, Jesus Christ, Mary, people in, in, in anger. I mean, that's, that's, that's true. That happens. Yeah. So this guy does a routine, and it wasn't considered scandalous for sexual stuff. He curses saints. Wow. And it was so controversial that the priest in St. Lucie's in Newark, which covered that territory, put the creators under interdict. Wow. So they had to find out who they were. I've heard it. The Neapolitan is, and it's the Neapolitan of Avellino, right. that area of Albania. But the funny thing to bring it up is that it's still in circulation. Cer- certain really? people, Yeah, because it was, it was explosive. Because it, it's very, um, what's what I'm looking for? The impersonation is is um exact right so the, it was actually in a long it was in a long play album i think an lp i don't know if it was a 70 78 i'm trying to remember some people have had it on cassette they still have it at home wow some people have copies but i don't know anyone who would understand those punchlines yeah. today yeah probably not because you know he's cursing about the milkman he starts cursing in neapolitan about the milkman i mean was the milkman a saint <laughs> no, because he's seeing the Neapolitan would say, um, they, uh, 
I don't, I don't even know how to say it without it. They would like, cur- you know, like uh, they don't you, run off you and saying, you know, that he goes, uh, you know, yells at this saying, yells at that saying. And God, it's hard to translate. And they have some curses in in Avellino, which I wouldn't even touch with it. I mean, they because they're blasphemous, like on a different level. But the reason I'm saying is that I bet yet of all listenership, you could count on a hand how many people would get. Could even understand it. Even understand because he uses like he he uses uh, definitely non PC ethnic comments, and um, I don't know where we, I'm we going. We got to find that. I, I, these kind of things to me should be preserved. Well, anyway, make a long story, and I'll just wrap up the historical part. Is that it was so scandalous that the the pastor of Saint Louis in North put an interdict. What does an interdict mean? It's like a it's like a high level excommunication. Yeah. Oh, wow. So if you had a copy, if you sold a copy, if you wow. knew someone had. He put it under the whole parish until they found out who the actual guys were who did because one guy did all the characters. So, I want to hear but, this. But you know, the one thing about it, oh, you'll be it's rough. I mean, for me to say it's rough, yeah. it's rough. Yeah. Um, he's the earliest Italian-American comedian that I know because he's American-born. And he says, like, you know, oh, I'm going to tell you about this story about Akumata. And then he goes strictly in Neapolitan for the rest of the album. I would love to hear that. I'd love to find it. And if anybody out in the audience has access to I know to that, where it is. You do? We got to get Or any of this stuff, because there's a lot of this stuff there's, out there's there. There's a copy of it in the church basement. I'm it might be, yeah. <laughs> They're locking key in St. Lucie's. But this is the power of comedy to make us uncomfortable, to make us relate, to make us laugh, and to preserve a lot about who we are. It's a great insight into our history. Because we are funny people. Yeah, I hope so. So funny. We're, we're, we're very human. We are some yes. of us. <laughs> I think I've been I... described as hum- human adjacent. <laughs> but I uh... mean, if you if you ask <laughs> like Alf, besides besides San Gennata, right, and Diego Maradona, the face of Naples is Toto. Yeah, ne- ne- Neapolitans, their their face is a comedian. Yes, that's true. Yeah, if you really want to understand the Neapolitan brand, you got to watch Toto. Yeah, he's the he's the key to everything down there. He really is. That's the the the, the mind and the humor. Toto is a Brilliant! Yeah, Absolutely, you could do a documentary on that for sure. That's like and he did that song about Africa, right? No, wait. <laughs> I just i I thought of a different song. We got a we got you a real comedian here. <laughs> I do love that song. Actually, we did our karaoke night last week, and somebody I think somebody had you're that con- on the you're list. out. Can I tell you something about last week? I want to call you out now. I want to accuse Uh-oh, you in front of all our listeners because justice must be done. What I do. You love all those outfits, yeah. Like the with the green. What you what, what, tell everybody out there in podcast land the outfit that I you did. had. I on. told them last week. I had Let's my tell green, them again. Green pants, my red blazer, tricolor tie, tricolor right. feast hat, All right, And the tri and the glasses, glasses the right? Shoes are tri- That's color. the Neapolitan in you. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Your fun side. No is Sicilian your, would reduce no, themselves. No, your fun side yeah. is your Neapolitan. Yes, side. that's true. And it's not. It's not your uh, body <laughs> side. No. no, your fun side is your Neapolitan side. Like Toto. So you wouldn't, yeah, Chapman. sure, absolutely, because we are clowning people, yeah, because we realize how ridiculous life is sometimes. When we get humor and tragedy, I find the Italian people like in that spectrum, yeah, like we show up at those extremes, yes, most very true. And when you get into just kind of normal, like it's never just like I get very uncomfortable still if I'm just having like a just a straightforward conversation yeah. about like whatever, you know. It's like if I'm if I'm doing business with people. And I make a joke, and they just kind of let it blow by and just kind of stick to, like I I am I get extremely uncomfortable when I can't be because it's, not, it's humorous. The, with it's me. not human, right? That's the beauty of humanity. That, that the the comedy, the tragedy, 
the depths, the heights. That's what makes being human worthwhile. As I was saying earlier, in the last two weeks, and this is something a perspective of mine changed, and I want to share this with you and your listeners. I think it's, uh, though it's somewhat personal. Um, but I've been looking after my mom for the last couple of weeks, and I realized that I've been misattributing um, my funny to, like, all of the men, you know, my dad, my uncle, like, oh, yeah, my brother, like, and I've always, like, people's like, well, where, where does this come from? And after spending a couple of weeks with my mom, I realized, like, no, she's hilarious. <laughs> like, you know, it's like nobody thinks their mom when they're a kid is... Yeah funny like they're the worst thing ever um but she's like and and to just see that and she has no i mean she worked in the casino and you know there's no reason there's a it's 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 a skill that's not marketable for her right yeah but she like and i know a lot of people in our in our uh culture and in our neighborhoods who they really do like we always seem to look for the joke right like and that's a different it's a different way of, of of brain function you know, with people who are bent towards comedy or bent towards the joke, it's a different way of thinking. And I feel like most certainly, you know, Italian-Americans have that. And I think Italian-American women don't get enough credit yeah. for being just as funny as they, as they are. Yeah, we talked about all these comedians. We didn't talk about... Some... And Bancroft. Oh, I mean, and Bancroft. I... Hilarious. I love Hilarious. Bancroft. I got to work with Lisa Lampanelli for a little time. She's great. Amazing yeah. stand-up comedy. Uh, you know, there's been a whole plethora... Of Italian American women that have contributed incredibly, on, like, and in the writers' room, yes. you know, it's like maybe there's not a. Th- a like you have to remember, like the history of stand-up comedy, um, it was tough for women to break in until you know, really the '80s, and even then, there was still a novelty for a handful. But when you go back through the annals, if you start looking through some of your favorite shows, and you look through the writers, like there's a lot of great. Who was uh, the one on Mary Tyler Moore? Rosemary. Rosemary. Yeah, she's Italian-American. I have records of her singing in Italian. She was like a, a global superstar, too. She was a child star singer in the 20s. But, yeah, she was Italian-American and in the writer's room on that show, on the Dick Van Dyke show, not Mary Dick Van, Dick Dick Van Dyke. That's something, yeah. yeah. I, I knew what you were talking about. But, yeah, that's Rosemary. And she only died a couple of years ago. Kay Ballard, another great, like, performer, comedian. It's hard to tell because for, for so many years they all kind of – you know, they all stage named out of an Italian yes, name, so it's a real have to. Yeah, you have to know who they are to you know who dig. they are. Yeah, you got to dig, but they're out there, and, and there's a lot of them. And I, I think that's a, it's a great area for us to focus some of our work and our research and some of the stuff we do. Bring because we don't have enough up. to do. <laughs> we just got all the all the free time that you and I have. Yeah, I know. Well, it's a good effort for us to make because. So, aren't you buying a baby donkey? No, we're getting the donkey shipped in for my daughter's birthday party. But, so but I that, think I think that is a whole other episode. I think you're going to keep that donkey. You I keep talking to. about the donkey. Donkeys are great. I'm tempted. Well, donkey brought us they together. Make, they make great mortadella when the time comes. <laughs> <laughs> you monster! You're a monster. This is a very this is a very Listen, donkey what sensitive. No, what is going to be go? petting? Just petting the snout. Hey. Like, just a line, nice mortadella. I like too much. Meanwhile, you're at the back half with a <laughs> piece of chalk. Yeah, yeah gonna, dr- oh, no, we got this. We're going to make a nice mortadella. I'm very excited. I would be that guy. Oh. Joanna, when you don't know one no more, you call me. I come over. Don't, don't pet his shanks. We're trying to, <laughs> too much, we're trying too to much keep them nobody. tender. Hey, nice. If you're going to pet hey. them, massage them, please. Massage them. <laughs> like a Kobe beef. Johnny's the juice. You forgot hey. about the meat. Hey, kids. It's a beautiful. 
Let's come come to the petting zoo before you get started. Dip your hands in you butter. You Nicole. Can you can you get revenge on Nicole with that and just tell her? I'm keeping him and I'm making keep, him. You keep the donkey. Why not? I would love to have. I, to me, donkey's like our national animal. I'd love to have one. That'd be very representative. But anyway, that's a whole other episode, and uh, we're gonna have the birthday party. Look forward. A lot of fun stuff. To look forward to Pat being honored as the Jersey, the Jersey City Man of the Year. Tank, what the Man of the Year, Jersey Columbus Day Parade. I definitely think this is a great pursuit for us to take this wonderful field of comedy and to explore a bit more, explore the portrayals. And uh, Brandon, thank you for coming up. You're welcome back anytime. We would love to have you back. We, we're we gonna, honored. Yeah, we were we're honored to have you come all the way up from God's country in Pennsylvania. Where is that? <laughs> South Jersey. Almost Pennsylvania. And I know Pat's going to do uh, some work on your genealogy after we get off the yes. mic. So that's, yeah, we're going to have fun with yeah, that. That's going to be. We'll, 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 we should have guests and bring them to the towns of origin. Yeah, we should. That'd be great. Like it's it, another on our list of 8,000 things. Add it to we'll the list of shows. Yeah, we're yeah, going to do that. 50 years too late, we're going to build an Italian-American TV network. So this has been a lot of fun. Hope you guys have enjoyed what's ended up being two great episodes with the wonderful conversation with your dear friend. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Da, 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 da. 